We're continuing our series called Stretched. And uh, the title of my sermon is The Beauty of Boundaries. Good. So the goal for us today is to understand what our current boundaries are in different parts of our lives, and then to make intentional choices about what we're saying yes and no to. Boundary settings will manifest emotions in the people near you. So when we look at boundaries in our lives, we know that the world teaches us that actually the removal of boundaries creates freedom. And yet, if you think about someone driving down a road, we honor and respect the fact that there are lines within which we can drive. I don't know anyone that drives that says they want to drive into oncoming traffic. We love boundaries. We need boundaries in our lives. Not having boundaries guarantees that we will live and make bad decisions that will lead us to a season of recovery. We are not called to live in recovery mode. We are called to live in a forward-focused life. Wisdom must become our teacher, otherwise pain will become our substitute. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can anyone stay on the path of purity by living according to God's word? So I just want to unpack for a minute what it looks like to date, because, you know, I've got a wealth of knowledge in this area. And then after that, I want to give us some perfect boundaries that we can embrace that will help us stay true to God's word. So the golden rule about dating is that you do not embrace the world's way of thinking on this. Yeah, The Bible gives us guidance for any believer on how we should approach dating. 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped in every good work. As Christians, we must look to the Word of God to discover how to best live a life that glorifies Him in every area of our lives. The dating scene offers limitless opportunities on how you can present yourself in a perfect image and how you can then pursue a potential relationship with someone. And I've shared it before from the platform, so I can kind of share this story again with you guys a little bit. Uh, a number of years ago, some friends of mine one or two of them may be in the room and may have been involved, took some pictures from my Facebook, created a, an account on christianmingles.com and started trying to basically hawk me uh, to different people in the world. And the problem with online dating is it presents, not that I've done it, it presents a very, very perfect image about who we are. It doesn't show the guts. It doesn't show the, the person behind the screen or the person behind the photograph. The reality is true in every area of our lives that when we look through the lens of Scripture, the, the basic philosophy of modern dating is completely unbiblical. And it's mainly about for the guys playing the field to discover what one wants in a relationship, searching for someone that will meet all of our needs and all of our desires. So my first question is, well, where is God in all of that? He's non-present and he's not going to honor those types of relationships. We must have the mind of Christ when it comes to dating. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 5. Let nothing be done with selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let this mind also be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So here's one. Date with prayer. Please, date with prayer. If you're making notes, date with prayer. So if you're in a relationship right now and your partner doesn't want to pray with you, that's a red flag. I would leave that relationship overnight if I were you. Ladies, if your boyfriend does not pray with you regularly or you're always the one asking, hey, can we pray? 
run from that relationship. Yeah? I'm coming out swinging today. I'm warning you, just so, you, just so we're clear. I want you guys to live well. I want you to live right. And I want you to have the right, healthy, Christ-centered relationships that I know God has for us. We must live to glorify God and not be distracted or led astray by the world's views when it comes to being with a partner. Although there is no set formula, we have to be prayerful. Philippians 4 verse 6, But in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. It is important to seek God concerning a potential spouse. Otherwise, you end up playing the field. You end up pursuing relationships that lead to destruction, and then you live in recovery mode. A love for Jesus and a desire to live according to God's will must be the number one at the start. The purpose of God putting a man and a woman together who are both Christians is that together you can do more for God's kingdom than if you were separate. It is not about because you've been a good boy and you've not done anything that you shouldn't have done in your Christian walk. Yes, same for the ladies. As much as you want to honor God with your body and the way you live and the way you decide to live out your life, it's not because you've done all these good things that God will give you a certain man for your partner. It's because together you can do more for God's kingdom than if you're separate. Amos 3 verse 3, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? It's a simple fact. You have to be in agreement about the journey that you're on, about the nature of the relationship, about the pace of the relationship. Every attribute has to be in line. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Do not buy into the lie. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Ladies, please don't fall into this trap. Oh, I'll bring him to church and he'll get saved. I've heard it a thousand times. Don't, don't do that. Because he will start to come to church because you've invited him to come to church because he's scared that you'll leave the relationship if he doesn't come to church. So now he's coming to church because you want him to come to church. And then you might even make a decision for Christ. But then the test of that is a question that I've always asked guys and girls when they talk to me about these situations where one is a Christian and the other is not. I say, so let's say that your partner comes to church, they get radically filled with the Spirit, they get saved, and then God reveals to them that you're not their husband or wife and they leave you. Are you still happy they're saved? <laughs> to date... About seven or eight different couples, I'm still to get an answer from a single one of them. Why? Because we have selfish motive. Let's be real. You're wanting to maintain that relationship where maybe God's not actually in that relationship. So I encourage you, as much as possible, obviously do not be unequally yoked. There is nothing attractive about being with someone who's not a Christian. Yeah? If you're a Christian, be with someone who is a Christian. Number two, date with purpose. Intentionality is key here. Yes? It's very important to date with purpose. To avoid getting into the traps or the stumbling blocks with one another, we must be purposeful in our relationships with one another from the outset. That will serve as a guidepost to clearly establish the seriousness of the friendship and the level of commitment that you're prayerfully seeking to discover God's will for a possible marriage in the future, which means you've also got to be accountable. Nothing can be done in secret. Nothing can be done in secret. It doesn't work if you're trying to hide the fact that you're in a relationship with someone, people are getting convicted over here, I think. <laughs> Literally, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but being accountable is very important, yeah? You need to learn who to be accountable to. You need to keep that circle small. You need to keep that circle intimate, but you need to be honest about who, who you're dating, why you're dating them, the pace of the relationship, the purpose of the relationship, where you're going, what you're doing, everything. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So I encourage you to submit to your spiritual leaders 
on those things. A telling question I always ask is, what is your motive? What is your motive for dating this person as opposed to that person? Often we have uh, conceited ideas, we have ideas on how we see a relationship developing, but if your purpose is to please and glorify God, then Jesus will be working in that relationship. But if it's self-centered, God is not going to be working in that relationship. So the question always, ladies and guys, what is the motive of the relationship? Is your interest in having fun and being entertained, or is it to serve Jesus and others? If you're seeking a soulmate or someone you could marry, is, is, is your purpose more to find companionship, emotional or physical, and social acceptance, or is it to honor and glorify God? And number three, the third P, please date with purity. I'm going to get onto this one in a second. Date with purity. Being passionate for purity is the hallmark of any genuine courtship. It is not about what you can get away with because God sees everything. God knows everything. And if we think we can get away with something, we might in front of our friends and our family and everyone else, but God sees everything. Great care must be taken to guard one another's heart during the journey of getting to know one another, whether it leads to marriage or not. Establishing good physical and emotional boundaries will help you both do that. 1 Timothy 5 verse 2 for the men here instructs men how to treat single women as sisters in Christ, quote unquote, with absolute purity. No exceptions. And if you have to think about whether or not you should do it, the answer is probably no. But the reality is we will always try and buy into, well, what can I get away with? So we have to maintain a pure heart. Maintaining a pure heart will help you on that journey in your relationship. Look at the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, how he handled sexual purity. Sold as a slave into the house of a man called Potiphar, who we know, and whose wife desired him. And she was very clear with him in, in Genesis 39, verse 7. Lie with me. I mean, that's as clear-cut and direct as you can get. And what was his response? His response was clear. I'm leaving. How then can I do this great evil and sin against God? Now, it's very clear if you read Genesis 39, Joseph is a man in his prime. It says he was tall and he was handsome and he was physically fit and all the rest of it. So there must maybe have been a thought or an idea in his mind that I can maybe get away with something here. But he was very, very clear that he wanted to honor God in every part of his life. This woman chased him, harassed him. And if you read verse 11, it says even at one point, he said he was just going about his day. So he wasn't looking for trouble. Sometimes those situations happen whereby something could go wrong in a situation and you're just going about your day. You're not looking to fall into sin. You're not looking for this sort of activity, but it presents itself to you. But what does he do? He chose not to. He chose to honor God. Seven times in that verse, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. God is with you every single time you choose to live right. Every single time you choose to honor God with your body and your mind, he's with you. He decided in his heart that his relationship with God was more important and he ran from it rather than giving into it. So Joseph demonstrated integrity. He demonstrated honor and purity in his actions when it would have been easier for him to give in. He drew a clear and definitive line in the sand in what he was about to do because he knew God. He didn't just know about God, but he actually knew God intimately, personally, and deeply. And when you truly love someone in this manner, you will always think, twice about what you're saying or what you're doing in every situation, considering whether or not your words and actions can damage that person. He decided in his heart that he didn't want to violate his relationship with God. So some action steps. If you are serious about 
remaining pure up to marriage, intentionally and purposefully decide to draw a line in the sand, which means you need to do that with sincerity and accountability. You're then highly likely to uphold that in the purposes of marriage, which means the most important thing at this point to do is take proper care of your relationship with the Lord. Like anything, you must work on it, maintain it, develop it each and every day. Be in true fellowship with the Lord each and every day. That will help you develop Joseph's heart. Just the thought of committing sexual sin for him will be offensive and odorous. That was offensive and odorous to him, and it will be the same for you when you develop that relationship. Now, I know what you're thinking. Where is that line in the sand? Let's assume today for a moment that you've drawn a line in the sand. Now you're thinking, well, how, how far can I go and still not cross that line? Let's be real. That question actually implies I want to go as far as I possibly can without sinning. So please tell me how far that is. No, let's be real. That's, what, that's, that's the real question. Now, we've all got desire for intimacy sexually, but we have to uphold God's standard. Ask yourself this. Will that particular activity compromise my commitment to maintaining sexually pure before God? And here's the key. Don't deceive yourself. Yeah? It's very easy to do. There's an easy way out. Oh, that won't hurt, or nobody will know, or different, different words and phrases that we can use to justify our behavior in that moment. But actually, we need to uphold to God's standard, and it's traps that we all can fall into. Whether we believe it or not, whether we like it or not, we can all fall into it. And the opportunities are there. It's what you decide to do in that moment. Look at Joseph. He ran away before anything happened. He didn't wait for something to happen. Very important distinction for us. Don't draw up checklists. Please don't do that. I did that before as a Christian, maybe in the early days of being a Christian. I don't need to cough every time I'm sharing something personal. <laughs> People just coughing away over here in this corner. <laughs> um, I drew up checklists to try and justify my behavior in different situations whereby it would be okay for a girl to sleep in the room with me, but not in the bed with me. We're not having intercourse, right? It's okay. But no, it leads to bad behavior. It leads to your mind being corrupted. It leads to you allowing yourself to think different things. What about talking on the phone after midnight or one o'clock in the morning? Netflix and chill. Anyone heard that one? Wrong. Bible study and pray. <laughs> I don't ever want to hear that. In the day and age we live in, yeah, I don't ever want to hear, oh, their last train, I missed it, so I couldn't get home, so I had to stay at her place. No, 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 no. There's Uber, there's night trains, there's night buses, walk it if you have to. I don't care, right? But there's no excuses, yeah? Don't justify the behavior, and it's so easy to do. So easy to do, and we fall, with the opportunities to fall in these sort of areas are prevalent every single day of your life which leads us into protective boundaries. Boundaries are important. If there are no boundaries, then everything is open, right? So why not more than one partner? Right? The reality is boundaries will protect your relationship. So ladies, please let me address you for a minute. If your man is always wanting to hang out and there's no extension in terms of when you guys finish hanging out and it's always one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, get rid of him. Or put a boundary and say, we have to finish meeting at 11. You don't go to a football match or the theater and they don't play 
or watch a movie until you know, somebody dies or you know, the game just goes on and on and on. It has a vague start time and a pretty clear end time. Do the same thing because you will get very familiar with each other very quickly and familiarity breeds contempt. And before you know it, you will find yourself entertaining all sorts of ideas, all sorts of notions, all sorts of possibilities about what is or isn't right. And yet there is a standard to live by. So ladies, please, if your man is not praying with you, if your man is not protecting you and upholding you and encouraging you and celebrating you at every opportunity, he's probably the wrong guy. Gentlemen, if you're not taking the lead and the role on this, then you're not honoring your commitment to lead that lady in a way that glorifies God. You should always seek out her best possible outcome every single time, no matter the cost to you, no matter the public embarrassment, no matter the shame that you may go through, no matter the irritation, the pain, I don't care if you have to walk six blocks home, whatever. Do whatever you need to do to honor her in the highest possible way, right? Because she's a daughter of the Most High God and you're gonna give an account for your actions. Not to me, but to God. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, I need to be reflecting on my relationship right now. That's good. Self-assessments are important. They will help you understand where you are in your relationship. And if Christ isn't the mainstay of your conversations, if it's always about, oh, you know, what a lovely dress you were wearing, or what a great picture you put on Facebook last week. Uh, he ain't interested in you. He's interested in you physically, and that's it. Run for the hills, ladies, please. I will help you. I will deal with him. Bring him to me. I will sort him out, I promise. <laughs> Amen? But that's reality. That's reality. If, if Christ isn't at the center of 90% of your conversation, then what is? Right? If it's not him, then it's something or someone else. So uh, tell me. Live right. Govern yourself well. Be accountable. Be transparent about where you are, what you're doing, who you're with, and why you are where you are with who you're doing, with who you are and what you're doing, right? There should be no secrecy, total transparency. And you have to think about lying or you have to think about why you are somewhere or why you're talking to these people or talking to more than one person at one time, then there is no integrity, there is no purity, there is no transparency in your relationship. Do not expect God to bless that, yeah? So if you're talking to more than one person, stop it. I'm being serious. I, like, it breaks my heart. The, probably the single biggest thing that breaks my heart is hearing about how men and women in the church treat each other when they're in relationships. Probably the single biggest thing. It's like if we really saw the other person for who they were in Christ, we would not treat them the way we are. We would not have double standards. We would not behave the way the world behaves. So we need to really step our game up. First rule, guard your heart. I never preach a sermon that doesn't have a proverb in, sorry. Proverbs 4:23. guard your heart. There is a place inside your heart that is specifically reserved for your wife or your husband. Do not repeatedly and frivolously give access to any, to any man or any woman that particular area of your heart. You will go through pain and recovery, pain and recovery from now until kingdom come. Guarding your heart is an emotional and a spiritual act. Ensure that you set boundaries up to protect you. Barriers are often things to overcome. Boundaries are things that protect us in situations. Limit how much time you spend with each other. If you're in each other's pockets all day, every day, on the phone, from morning, noon, and night, 
you're going to get very irritated with each other very quickly. You're going to get very angry with each other very quickly, and it's going to burn out. You need to spend time away with each other, away from each other, so that you can learn to miss each other. Yes, absence always makes the heart grow fonder, right? We always talk about being in God's presence, and then we're not very happy when we're not in God's presence, and then when we're back in his presence, we have joy in our heart again. It's exactly the same thing in a relationship. In limiting how much time you spend with each other, you limit the opportunities for sexual activity. So no open-ended dates. So if you meet at a certain time, you lock it off at a certain time, every time. Because as I said, this quickly, quickly breeds familiarity, and that was certain to lead to sexual activity where you drop your guard and you start to allow things that you wouldn't necessarily allow. And that includes things that you watch on TV, on Netflix. You know that TV stuff that you guys watch? Yeah, so don't watch movies if it's all romantic and you see all sorts of scenes going on. That will lead to stuff in your brain. Your brain will start to get corrupted by that stuff. And before you know it, you'll start thinking about that's what you want to do with your partner. So be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Make sure that your mind is disciplined. An undisciplined mind can begin to start plotting all sorts of madness. And then you'll start to try and live that out. But here's the good news. You can succeed. God will help you. The fullness of your reward to sexual purity is that you can eventually get yourself to marriage and look back with a glad and a thankful heart that you waited and that you maintained integrity. Because if the flesh can embarrass you, it will. In Romans 7, verse 15, For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. The flesh will always want to have its way, and it will always lead to embarrassment. Accountability is not a pacifier, but a purifier. If people don't like the presence of your boundaries, introduce them to the presence of your absence. (laughs) It's okay. We must want to live a life of integrity. The failure to have no accountability produces one thing and only one thing, sin. It is not a question of if you may fall, but a question of when. And then everything that you've worked for is destroyed. The ministry that God has given you, your family, your friends, relationships. And the problem with that is you go to recovery mode, and that's great. God restores, God reconciles, God redeems. I get all of that. I'm a living testimony to it. But the problem is, and I found it, unfortunately, with the ladies. So, men, I'm addressing you. Ladies go into the next relationship with a guy carrying the scars and the wounds of what the other guy did. So the next guy is starting 50 meters behind the start line, trying to make up time and trying to make up a sense of purpose and value in that relationship because that woman now doesn't trust any guy because that guy cheated on her, for example, or he lacked transparency or he lacked integrity. And so women in the church are a bit... Right? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to call out names. Because <laughs> I have integrity. But that's the reality, yeah? That women in the church get hurt. They go through recovery. God restores them. They get to a place where they're now maybe a little bit open, a little bit receptive to a relationship. But they are really nervous. The bar is now so high. So many women in the church want to marry Jesus. So anyone that's south of Jesus, <laughs> right? Anyone that's south of Jesus, you know, if I haven't raised three people from the dead by the time I got to the subway, I'm not a Christian. 
right? Why? Because we overcompensate. Because the last guy treated you like a jerk. So now you go so far the other way that like he has to be absolutely perfect. And then you find out he's not. And it's like, ooh, want to get out of that relationship. And then you just go through this perpetual cycle and nothing changes. And every single time that happens, your desire to be in a relationship erodes. And yet God has someone for every person in this room. That's the reality. Amen. <laughs> Somebody claimed that word. <laughs> but, that, but that's the reality. But that's the reality. So please don't allow your past to hold your future hostage. If you are in a toxic relationship, you know that you're in a toxic relationship by, by what is present in that relationship, but also what is absent. So if you're always wondering where your man is, awkward. Wouldn't want to be you. If there's no integrity in terms of prayer, in terms of time together, in terms of the nature of your conversations, get out. Just, and it's okay to leave, right? You, know, you don't have to hang on in the hope that he might change. It's not your job to change him. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Yeah? And too, too many times, unfortunately, ladies, we try and be, you try and be this savior mentality. I'm going to lead him to the Lord. I'm going to change his brain. I'm going to change his friendship circles. I'm going to change this. Anyone bear a witness to that? And then you find after a while, maybe it's not as easy as you thought. But now you're 6, 12, 18 months into that relationship and you feel that you've got to continue it because you've given it 6, 12, 18 months. And you just, you're just throwing your time away and nothing's going to change. God wants us well. God wants us to live right. God wants us to have healthy boundaries in our lives. Right? So here's the reality for me. There is not a person in this room that can phone me after 11.30 at night. Not one. Not one. Why? Because I wouldn't allow it. And that's why nobody phones me after 11.30 at night. You know why? Because people, it's a bit like, you know, these, you get these things on Facebook where, you know, you've got too many friends on Facebook, so you get invited to a rave in Lyon and, you know, someone's christening in Belgium or somewhere. And it's just, it's just random stuff all the time. They know you're not going, you know you're not going, but they still invite you. But what happens after a while is they stop inviting you because they know you're not going. It's exactly the same thing. If you stop taking phone calls from people really late at night, ladies, they're going to stop calling. I guarantee it. That's a good thing. They should respect your boundaries. They should respect your integrity. They should respect your purity. And that's the call for us, is do we want to live with those boundaries or do we want to just remove them and think we know best, we'll do it our way? How's that working out for you? You happy in your relationship? Anyone reflecting on their relationships? Some of you are, but you're just not being honest. You're thinking. But I want us to live right. Because honestly, it's probably the single biggest thing that breaks my heart in the church, is guys and girls that get stuff wrong because they weren't accountable, because they didn't have boundaries, because they weren't being honest about where they were at. And yet, God wants us to live well. So men, please, honor your girlfriend, your fiance, whoever she is, with that highest level of integrity. You should guard and protect her heart as if it's your own heart. You should love her the way that Jesus loves her. You should honor her at every single turn, no matter the cost to yourself. That is the definition of true love, is that you will pay the highest price every single time, regardless of the personal cost to yourself. And that, ladies, is the standard that you should hold yourselves to. Don't cheapen yourself out because he's a nice guy, or he dresses well, or he's a cell leader. 
or he's whatever. I couldn't care what he is or who he is. If he's not living right, not interested. And you know, for some of you, it might mean that you readjust those relationships or you walk away from them. And that's okay. Don't feel that you have to keep putting bad time after good time after bad. You can stop at any point. We're feeling convicted this afternoon. Are we feeling encouraged? Yeah? All I'm saying today is build some boundaries. Be clear about what those boundaries are. Agree with those boundaries. Very important as well. Final point is to agree what those boundaries are. Because if you don't agree, then the other person doesn't understand why you've set that boundary. But if you agree on the boundary, then you can move forward. So I would ask all of you, if you're in a relationship or you want to be in a relationship or you're thinking about getting into a relationship, look at those boundaries that you want. Look for the variables. Look for the principles and the qualities that you expect in that relationship. Share them openly and honestly with your partner. Agree on what the next steps should be and then live those boundaries out so that God can be glorified in every single area of your life. Because at the end of the day, when you live right with God, you see his hand of grace, you see his hand of favor. God will always honor when we live right. We cannot invoke or desire narrow way blessings but have broad way patterns or standards of behavior. Boundaries will always protect your purity. And here's the last point. Be prepared to pay the price for your conviction. Go back to Joseph. The reality was that he ran away from Potiphar's wife, knowing the next morning in their culture at that time, he's likely to have his head chopped off. He was prepared to pay the ultimate price for his conviction. Do the same. Amen.